continuing on with the names of God. That's our series that we've been in now. This is the third week looking at the names of God in the Bible, the names that God calls himself. And we're going to look at another name that God calls himself today in Genesis 17. That's first book in the Old Testament. If you just want to turn to chapter 17, we'll get to it in just a second. And the reason we're looking at names of God is names are important. Names are really important. They give insight into the character and attributes of God. And names also give insight for us, for our calling. Uh, names tell of the parents' dreams and expectations for the child. When, they, when you name them, you know, I'm sure all of you who have had children, you really thought about what name am I going to give my child and made sure that the, the three initials that they didn't say something strange. And uh, you, you want to make sure that you got a good name for that child because names are important. And uh, when Steve and I were expect, Pastor Steve and I were expecting our third child, we had just come through three miscarriages, and it was really difficult. Uh, it seemed like we might lose this third child too. Things didn't seem like they were going really great, and uh, the doctor put me on bed rest for a few weeks. And around nine or ten weeks along, I was taking a nap, and I had a dream. And in that dream, I was out with my three children, and one of them. And at that time, we only had two. So I'm out with three, and the youngest one is this little blonde, curly-headed child. And um, I said, David, come on, let's go. And he comes running over. He was about two years old in the dream. And uh, right after that, I woke up, and I wrote it down because I felt like it was very significant that God was telling me about that, that child. And I looked up the meaning of the name David, and it means beloved one. Also, David in the Bible, you know, was a worshiper. And our son, David, when he was born then at uh, a few, few months later, he was a guy that loved music, and he's 28 years old right now, and uh, nothing was wrong with him. He was uh, a really uh, wonderful little child, looked just like the vision I had seen of him. When he was two years old, I thought, you know, wow, he looks just like that dream I had. And uh, he is a worshiper. He's actually a volunteer worship leader at the church he goes to. So um, God, God kind of gave that name to us for him. And today we're going to look at an account where God gives someone a name for them as well, Abraham. And God meets him and tells him that he, God, is El Shaddai. That is the name we're going to look at today. And then promises Abraham some things. So Genesis 17, starting at verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. 
Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai, for her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so she will be the mother of nations, kings of peoples will come from her. So God first told Abram of his promise to Abraham, Abram, when he was 75 years old. And now, according to this, he's 99 years old. So 24 years have gone by, a long time. He had the promise of God. God has established a covenant with him earlier. And now God's reaffirming that covenant, and he's asking Abram for a response. And the first thing that God tells him in verse 1, he says, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. El Shaddai in that original language. That El Shaddai name means Almighty God, our sustainer, all bountiful, all sufficient. It's one who nourishes, who supplies and satisfies us, just like a mother with her little child. And the name God calls himself means, I am God who is almighty. I'm more than enough for you and your circumstances. No matter what you're going through, I am more than enough to meet those circumstances. I'll sustain you. I'll provide for you. I'll satisfy your needs. So God is telling us the same thing today. Just like he told Abraham. He says, do you need direction? I'm more than enough. Do you need provision? I am able to provide and sustain more than you possibly need. And when you're praying for the promise that I gave you, I am more than enough. God Almighty, El Shaddai. And then he tells Abram, walk before me and be blameless. So group question. You all know that I, I do group questions here. If you're new, I, I'll ask a question. I and I would really love it if you would try to answer and say something. Uh, what does it mean to walk before God and be blameless? Guys, what does it mean to walk before God and be blameless? To abide by a covenant with God. Anything else? Right. Keep a short account with God. If you if you mess up, you, if you sin, you confess it. And it doesn't mean you're perfect, but you keep going with God. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, I think those are good answers. Uh, it doesn't mean, like what you said, it doesn't mean that Abram wasn't going to sin. I mean, blameless means that he's complete in God, complete in El Shaddai. He's a man of integrity. And he's trying to follow that all, all that God has for him. He's, he's, his goal is to be blameless and to be obedient to God. And God tells him, I'm going to confirm my covenant between you and me, and your heirs will multiply. And this is interesting because right now, Abram doesn't have any children. 
of between him and Sarai. He has uh, a son with Sarah's handmaiden, but he doesn't have an heir from the two of them. And so God's saying, I'm going to multiply you. You won't have to try and help me out because I'm all powerful. I'm the God of more than enough. And God says to Abram, your current name isn't what your destiny is. And names in the ancient world had a lot of information about that person, the characteristics of their birth, about their family, and about their identity. And the naming of the person was one of the most dramatic uses of authority of one person over another. To, it spoke to the destiny of that child, that person. And so God says, if you're in a relationship with me, in a covenant with me, your name needs to reflect who I have called you to be, who you were created to be. I've made you, I've created you to be the father of many nations. And so he, he takes his name Abram, which means exalted father. And you and I might think, well, that's a pretty good name. What's wrong with exalted father? That's, that'd actually be a nice name to have, right? And uh, sounds like maybe we might like that for, for someone in our family. But the problem with that name is it didn't speak to the destiny that God had for Abraham. And so God tells him, your destiny is to be the father of many nations. It's beyond what you're living now. It's beyond your current awareness of who you are even. It speaks to the call on your life that I have for you. It's now Abraham, meaning the father of many nations. So God takes that name Abram and he breathes on that name with that letter H, the He in the Hebrew alphabet that sounds like He breathes on that name and creates what he desired in Abraham's life. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. See, no matter what the situation is in our lives, when we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, when we submit ourselves to God so he can breathe his life into us, then things change. Things become alive that we're dead. There becomes a possibility of fruitfulness, of, of success. There is the breath, the spirit of God working in us and through us. And God tells him, I will make you fruitful. I mean, he is 99 years old right now. <laughs> and Paul in the New Testament talks about this. I mean, it's in his letter to the Romans, he says in Romans 4.19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And Sarah's womb was also dead. So it says his body was as good as dead. But God breathes life into the situation, and he tells him, get ready. You're going to be fruitful. Get ready. You're going to have a bunch of heirs. Get ready. And I'm giving you possessions. I'm giving you heirs. I'm giving you Canaan, the land of promise. And God breathed life into Abraham. He's saying, I'm going to make you very fruitful. And we think that's great. Wow, Abraham's going to be very fruitful. Lots of descendants. But when you look at the original language in that Hebrew text, it says, Abraham, I'm going to make you exceedingly, exceedingly fruitful. 
what he's saying is, uh, twice he's saying that original Hebrew word there, twice he's saying it exceedingly, exceedingly. And as you know, anytime God uses the same word twice in a row, it is like he is underlining it and highlighting it. He's wanting Abram to know, there's no doubt about it, Abraham. You are going to be so incredibly fruitful, exceedingly, exceedingly fruitful. It's the principle of double mention in the Bible. And God's saying, you don't have to try to come up with an heir yourself. I'm going to do that. And not only will you be fruitful, but I, the El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, will provide exceedingly, exceedingly for you, more than you could ever imagine. You will be exceedingly, exceedingly fruitful. And then God says, but there's going to be a sign for you as part of this covenant. There's circumcision. So a group question again, why do you think that was so important? Why would God ask them for that to be done? What, what was the thing of circumcision? Why was it so significant for the people of Israel? Why did God ask him to do that? Yeah, like separating themselves to him. Any other thoughts? Yeah, it's a visual sign. Yeah. Anything else? That's a, that's, those are really good thoughts about it. I, re, I think that that's what God is saying here to them. It's a daily reminder of the fact that their lives were different. Their lives were set apart. Their lives were submitted to the will of God, and they had a relationship with him. So this physical sign would testify to that. It made them different from all the people around them. Um, the tribe of Israel, the people of Israel were the only ones who did this. And they would see it each day and remember each day that they were called to be different than the people around them, that they were set apart as a people of God. So today, we have the Holy Spirit and the Scripture speaking to our hearts and drawing us to him. In Romans, Paul says in 2.29, circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. In other words, not by the law not by the the scripture that's not the circumcision but but and not by following the law but the but it's of the spirit of the heart such a person's praise is not from other people but from god so just as the circumcision that god is asking abram and all his descendants to do um, that made them different from the tribes around them when we have that circumcision of the heart when we have that following and obedience um, to God, there should be something different about us today as well. How we act, how we talk, how we behave, what we do, that God's spirit within us should be empowering us to daily live lives that are righteous and holy and God-honoring lives. Things that make us different than the people around us. They should see we are different. Now, Abraham didn't live a perfect life like we've talked about before. He did not always do the right thing he made some bad choices okay but god here is saying okay up till now you know you've been living a certain way but i'm calling you to more you've been in covenant with me but i'm calling you to more more of what your destiny is 
what you were created to be. And I want you to live a life that's different than the nations around you to signify the covenant that's between us. And then God tells Abraham that his wife's name also needs to change. And her name of Sarai becomes Sarah. He breathes that H into her name as well. And her name goes from meaning my princess to mother of nations. Sarah's well past childbearing age, obviously at this time. In fact, 13 years have gone by since Hagar had Ishmael. And Sarah is now 90. And her womb is as good as dead, it says in Romans. But when God breathes over Sarah, her womb comes to life. And she is promised that she will have a son. So let's continue on in chapter uh, 17 of Genesis, starting at verse 17. So God tells her, I'm going to bless her so she'll be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come for her, uh, from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abram said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with money and every male in his household and and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. So Abraham here, when God's telling him that Sarah's going to have a child, just starts laughing. (laughs) He's like, oh my, that he's thinking, God, you can't be serious. I mean, look at us, God. We're not just unable to have children. We are physically past the time of having children. And think about this. What if you had like a grandma who was in her 80s and 90s and she told you today, you know what, I'm pregnant. You would be like, ha, 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 yeah, right. You wouldn't think she was serious, right? You would think she's joking. You'd be like, wait a minute, what? That, that's impossible. How in the world can you be having a baby? And that's obviously what Abraham is thinking here too. He's thinking, that's impossible. So God, why don't why don't you just bless my son Ishmael instead? Uh, Abraham's heard about this promise for so long. He's been waiting so long. And he and Sarah haven't had any children. They, they tried on their own a thing with Hagar and have Ishmael. That's his plan B. And he's saying, you know, it seems like it's working pretty well, God. Um, it's working, right? Can't we just, like, give up on that other thing and just go with this? Take our plan B. Can't you just bless Ishmael? Can't we just let him be the child of blessing? And God says, yes, he can live under my blessing, but... 
And don't you just love it when God says that? You, he says, there's this, but there's more. There's more. Your wife, Sarah, just in case there's any confusion about who I mean, I mean your wife, Sarah, and she's going to bear you a son because I'm El Shaddai. I'm the God of more than enough. I can give you a son and you'll name him Isaac. The cool thing is Isaac means laughter. And it doesn't just mean because they laughed when they heard about this. It had to do with the laughter and the joy that this son would bring to both of them. So what do you think is the reason Ishmael couldn't have been the, the son? What's the difference between Ishmael and Isaac? Why couldn't God go along with Ishmael and just say, yeah, we'll skip that other deal? Why, why, why did he need to keep going with plan A? What do you think? It wasn't the son of promise. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, Sarah's his original wife. He wanted to show, God wanted to show himself as God through what he had promised. God didn't like, God didn't like stop because he just couldn't figure out how to do it. He wanted to show himself as God, and he had said originally to Abraham, it's going to be you and your wife, Sarah. And just because Abraham figured out another way around the, the weight, another way of that thinking God maybe hadn't figured it out and he had to help him, didn't mean that that was God's plan. And it didn't mean that that's what God was going to say, yeah, 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 let's do this. Yeah, God loves opportunities to show miracles. It's interesting, too, what he says. He says, I hear you about Ishmael. And Ishmael's name means God hears. And so he says, yes, I'll bless Ishmael. He'll be fruitful. He'll become a great nation. He'll have 12 sons. Yes, I will bless him. But Ishmael is not the child of promise. Isaac will be the child of the covenant, the promised child. And Sarah will have a son with you, as I promised. Isaac will be the child of the covenant. And Abraham, you can't make a child of blessing into the child of the covenant when it's outside of God's will. So think about that for us. Things that we have or that aren't a part of God's plan for us. And they're, they're our plans. If you have something that's outside of what God has for you, it it might seem like it's a pretty good thing. And God says, you know, maybe it even seems like a blessing, but this isn't what I have for you. I have so much more. And God can sometimes bless those Ishmaels in our life when we surrender them to him. When things have been done outside of the will of God for us, he can take that and redeem it. Listen, God has so much more for us when we follow him. Our mistakes, even good things, can sometimes become a hindrance to the promise of God for us. And God says, yes, I'll bless you, but I want to give you that son of the covenant, that son of the promise, if you're just willing to surrender everything to me. In Hebrews 12.1, it says, Therefore, for since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
See, there's certain times in your life when God will speak to you about leaving things of the past and laying those down as you move into the future that he has for you. And there might be things that you have. They might be relationships. They might be behaviors or attitudes that you just need to let go of. And God will show you, you know, you need to lay that down. You need to receive instead what God has for you. And God wants to give you more than you can imagine. That exceedingly, exceedingly is for us too. God wants to give us exceedingly, exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine when we follow him. More than we even deserve, right? But he's El Shaddai. He is the God of more than enough, the God Almighty. And he can breathe his life into any situation that we're in. He can breathe his life into whatever we're going through and bring us into that place that he has designed for us to be. Think about Abram's past, Abraham's past, idol worship, lying and deception, disobedience. Yet God saw Abraham's heart. He saw that Abraham wanted to follow him, and he knows that he's He's not yet where he's supposed to be. Because when God looks at Abraham, he doesn't see him as he is. He sees him as he's going to be. He sees him as he was created to be. And that's the same for us. God sees us in our destiny, the way he created us to be. And when we are in him, when we turn our lives over to him, our present situation doesn't dictate our future. Don't you love that? Where you are today is not where you're going to be when you follow Jesus Christ. He takes you out of that situation, out of whatever you're struggling with, and he breathes his life into you and brings you to where he has you to be when you surrender yourself to him. God calls us to be more than we are if we just follow him and trust him. The things that God speaks over us, those are the things that matter. And he declares over us our destiny. He declares who we are in him. And think about Abraham and Sarah after this. They have new names that God has breathed into. And when they speak their names to each other, and when other people call them by those names that God gave them, they're speaking the destiny of God over themselves. They're hearing and claiming what God has for them every time they speak their names. So what about us today? God is probably saying that to us, to walk before him and be blameless. So how do we do that? How do we walk before God and be blameless? The first thing we have to do is to look to God for our strength. Look to El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, for each day to give you the strength and the uh, wisdom and the love and anything you need to get through that day, he's got more than enough to give you. In Job 33, 4, it says, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty, the breath of El Shaddai, gives me life. Psalm 91, 1 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, the shelter of El Elyon, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, Rest in the shadow of El Shaddai. So we want to look to God each day. As you start the day, just pray and say, God, I need your strength today. I want to walk before you and be blameless today. I want to do the things that honor and glorify you today. 
And then we want to, secondly, be willing to walk away from some of those things of the past. Like we said in Hebrews 12:1, we want to throw off the things that hinder, not just the things that are sinful, but sometimes God will say, you need to lay that down. You need to move on. If I'm going to use you, you can't be doing that. And we need to be willing to do that. Abraham had to be willing to say, okay, I love Ishmael. He's my son, but he is not the child of promise. And so, Lord, yes, I'm going to look to you for what you have for me next. We need to find out for us what are those things that are hindering our walk with God? What are those things of the past that we need to throw off so we can live out what God is speaking over each of us? We want to live differently than before. And when you walk away from the things you put down and turn them over to Jesus Christ and allow him to put those things to death on the cross, the, the behaviors, the attitudes, the, the nature that isn't what he's called us to, then God can resurrect in us and breathe life into us the things that he has for us, those things of promise that he has for us. And so we need to be willing to, to listen to God and say, okay, that thing is not for me now. I need to leave that at the cross and move forward. As Pastor Steve mentioned, uh, we're reading through that, the Bible this year and this past week. I don't know if you read through Exodus where the people of Israel, um, they were in the wilderness and Moses said, okay, I want you to do this and this, and we're going to meet with God. And they basically said, um, I don't think so. You go meet with them. We'll be here. You just go do that. They did not want to be different. They, they wanted to let Moses be the one who was different. Moses be the one who spoke to God. And they said no to what God had for them. God said right then, I want you to be a nation of kings and priests. And they said, uh, you're kind of scary. I think we'll stay over here. They said no to God. And they ended up having to walk in the wilderness for 40 years, regularly complaining that they wanted to go back to Egypt. But going back to Egypt would not have made them different, would it? Uh, we can't go back to the things of the past and think that we, um, that's going to help us. We can't move backwards and think that's going to resolve our issues. We need to give the issues and the things that we're dealing with, the things that are holding us back over to Jesus Christ and let him remove that off of us and claim that power of the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ that he's going to set us free of those things. And when we surrender them to him, then we move into the new things that God has for us. Then we're new in him. He makes us new and we get this fresh start with Jesus Christ. And it begins right then, right then when you turn everything over to him. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. So every time we turn stuff over to Jesus Christ, we have that power of the word of God in our lives that a new thing has begun in our lives, especially if daily we're doing this and we're keeping those short accounts with God that we mentioned earlier. We're, we're saying, God, I don't want anything in my life that's holding me back from what you have for me. And then the third thing we want to do to walk before God and be blameless is to speak God's name over ourselves. It says in the book of John in the New Testament that our enemy, the devil, wants to kill, steal, and destroy us. 
So his lies about us are designed to, to steal away our identity in Jesus Christ and to destroy what God has for us, to kill off that promise for each of us in our lives. And we don't want to let him speak a name over us, a speak a thing over us. We, what we want to do is receive what God has for us, what God's calling us to. As we read the word of God, we will, our spirits will be uh, impressed about certain things. God will speak to us through his word. And sometimes it's through dreams. Sometimes it's just a nudge in your spirit that you know is God prompting you. And so the question I would have is, where are you today? Is there a name that you've been speaking over yourself that is not the name that God has for you? Have you been saying, yeah, I can't win at that? Or I'm just no good at that. Have you been saying, yeah, I I just can't change. I'm just unable to change. It's just always going to be like this. Or are you fearful or overwhelmed with your situation? And You need today to say to God, I don't want to speak those names over myself anymore. Those are not who you say I am. God's word says that you are his son. You are his daughter. He says that you are mighty warriors, leaders, victorious. You can be walking in righteousness. Whatever you're reading in the word of God for you, claim that for yourself. Don't allow the lies of the enemy to speak to you and tell you something you're not. Just receive what he has for you. In Romans 8, 37 to 39, it says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're victorious. We're conquerors. We want to live out the things God has for us. We want to walk in that covenant, walk in that promise, and be who God has created us to be. Would you stand with me as we close? you just bow your heads as we just think about this um, there's there's really two options for us today and that I see that God would have us take and one is to leave the past behind need to leave the past behind and like Abraham left that old name and that old stuff behind and he became the new name he became what God had for him what are the things of the past that you've hung on to, that God would tell you today, you know what, let's leave that behind. Be willing to set that down and follow him. Maybe you have some Ishmaels in your life, some things that aren't part of the destiny that God's called you to, and he's asking you to lay that down before him, to surrender all of who you are to him today and leave that behind. If that's you, if you've been hanging on to something that you know God is telling you to let go of, and you know you know today he's saying, you know what, you need to be done with that. You need to lay that down. God's saying, I want to bless you. I want to give you what I have for you in the future. But until you let that go, until you lay that down, I can't bring you forward in your faith, in your walk with me. 
So if you know that God's been telling you that you need to leave something behind, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you. And then another thing, too, for all of us is we need to accept the, the name, the destiny that God has for each of us. And we need to claim that over ourselves. We need to believe that and receive it. And so take a moment right now and just say, God, just show me the destiny that you have for me. What is it that you have for me? Or maybe there's a situation you say, it's kind of hopeless. It's a, maybe I'd even call it a dead situation. And you need God to breathe life into it, to receive and claim what God has for you, to, to take what he has for you. And today I just want to tell you, I want to say, El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, the sufficient one, all sufficient, our sustainer, all bountiful, all powerful, El Shaddai has more than enough for you. If you want to just receive what God has for you and reject the lies of the enemy about your destiny, just raise your hand up. Just raise your hand up and just say, God, I receive it. I receive it. Thank you, God. I want all you have for me. Thank you, Father. Lord God, we thank you that your word is what matters in our life, Lord, about who we are and how you've created us. And, Father, I pray that none of the lies of the enemy, none of the junk that we've gone through in life that's beat us down and has told us something that's not true about us, like we're insignificant, we're worthless, we're rejected, anything that shamed us or pushed us down and kept us from being who you have created us to be, Lord, we surrender all of that to the cross. And, Father, we want to receive what you have for us today. Lord, anything of the past that's been holding us back that you say, you know, lay that down, let go of that, release that to me. We do that today, Father, and we receive all you have for us. Lord God, we want to be people who walk into the destiny that you have for each of us, who become the people you've created us to be, who don't get held back by stuff of the past, Lord, I thank you that people like Abraham, who were, who were this amazing person in the Bible, he didn't live a perfect life. He made a lot of bad choices. But God, you still used him to accomplish your will. You still gave him the opportunity to walk forward in what you'd called him to do. And so, Father, for each of us, we receive that for us today. Lord, we, we, none of us are perfect. None of us have lived lives that are blameless but lord from this day on we just ask that you strengthen us el shaddai the god of more than enough lord that you fill us up with more than enough each day to do what you've called us to for that day and lord that you would be our source our strength our sustainer all bountiful all powerful god in our life as we follow you and become who you have said we are Thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.